Wellness and Radio listeners, we have got something very special in the pipeline. Uh, ladies, we are launching on the 1st of September. Again, we're doing our 28-day hormone reset program. We are so excited to share that with you. We thought we'd give you a little bit more lead time uh, this time around to join us for that. We have had some phenomenal changes with women so far. We have loved connecting with you in our online forum and seeing everybody's changes and hearing about it as well. It's been pretty amazing. And we are guaranteeing that you're going to love this program. Why? Because it's not just a program about lifestyle and diet. It's just going to be something that is about joining other women on the journey. So it's, you know, that sort of community that helps you change your life because you see other people doing it too. It's going to keep you inspired and keep you on board. Real recipes that, uh, you know, resonate with how easy it is to make good food for yourself at home. For people who are pushed and busy and tired and overexhausted and things, this is not going to stress you out. You're going to have plenty of options and that's what this uh, 28 day hormone reset is all about it's not just resetting your hormones it's resetting your views and your beliefs and your uh, I guess picture around what help is and so we are including things like exercise programming and food and nutrition and mindset and you know how you can change your lifestyle into a low-tox lifestyle that's going to support your hormonal journey so we know that you're going to love this program we hope that uh, you want to find out more go online onto our website www.thewellnesswomen.com.au forward slash e-courses for the program or just have a look into our website and follow the links to our 28 day reset page and you can read all about that and more so we look forward to joining you through the month of september it's with us all the way through and uh, we'll be there to support you thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your life welcome to wellness women radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health work and play Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hello there, gorgeous Wellness Women listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And it's a pleasure, as always, to have you on board with us and also to introduce you today to a very special guest. Now, this amazing woman is Steph Lowe. She's a sports nutritionist, a triathlete, founder of The Natural Nutritionist, which uh, we know is a, a place in which you can learn all about real food. And she's also the best-selling author of The Real Food Athlete. She's a fellow podcaster, so we absolutely love her message and all the things that she shares. And she's got an incredible, engaging personality and amazing passion for spreading messages about how you can bring real food into your life to, and the incredible effect that has on performance. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. she's focused on sports performance, but when we talk about performance, we talk about this you know, in terms of women's health as life performance and eating and fueling the body well is how we perform well in life. So today we're going to introduce and welcome the very wonderful and very talented lady. Hi, Steph. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Before I ask you anything that's like, you know, fairly serious, I would love to know, seeing as you are the natural nutritionist, what do you eat for breakfast today? I had a smoothie. Oh, yeah, what was in it? Yeah, so my, my normal smoothie is... Um, Chia seeds with frozen zucchini and frozen blueberries. I use um, some cultured coconut yogurt, some cinnamon, and some pea protein. Mm, sounds delicious. And that keeps you going? 
Yeah, in general, like I get, I try to make sure I get about five hours of satiety out of my meals. So I think when you make sure you've got like veggies in there and healthy fats and quality protein, it can definitely do the job. It's quite thick, more like a thick shake. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. And is that your normal standard brekkie most days? Yeah, I'd say like the weather in Melbourne is pretty cold at the moment. So I've been trying to have a lot less smoothies just because of how cold they make you. Um, Depending on what time it is, like if I am eating breakfast a little bit later, I might do like a scrambled eggs with some greens and roast tomatoes or something that's a little bit more of a cooked brekkie. Depends on what day it is too because sometimes I'm straight into seeing clients. So, you know, and other days I have a little bit more time. So I, I try and use that to my advantage as well. Yeah, That's... you do look pretty rugged up there. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we were all looking <laughs> <a bit> crazy. <laughs> yeah. And that's absolutely yeah, it too, isn't it? That's one of those ideas around, um, you know, eating for a season as well. Even though we've got ideals as what we could be eating every day to to stay well and healthy, we also have to consider things like temperature and how that affects our, you know, body temperature and how it makes us feel after eating our meals. So it's lovely to hear you say that sometimes it's smoothies and sometimes you go with the warm stuff when you feel like, you know, you need to keep your, your body temp up rather than uh, that long sort of cool fuel that comes from smoothies yeah for sure and you recently got married Steph which congratulations Uh, absolutely incredible photos for anyone who follows Steph on Instagram (laughs) out there they'll have seen some stunning pics of her amazing wedding day and we get uh, emails all the time from ladies who would love to know you know you know what sort of tricks because recently our gorgeous Dr Andrew also got married as well I think just a month about a month before you I think it was so we always get questions about you know what do you do how'd you get ready like obviously we definitely don't recommend things like crash diets for special events coming up in your life so Ladies, um, we're going to ask Steph, Steph, what did you do to get ready for your special wedding day to have yourself, you know, I guess as every bride wants to be picture perfect health, feeling great, you know, and uh, looking amazing on your special day. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was something um, that I wanted to do really well because, as you would all know, there's definitely the whole wedge shed and and really crash dieting approach that involves lots of calorie counting and and usually not a very big conversation around quality. So, you know, my goal is always to, you know, eat the most nutrient-dense foods. But I think what's interesting for, you know, a female who naturally has a, a lower calorie requirement each day than say like a male you know we can actually easily be overeating especially when we are getting into adding healthy fats obviously they have some amazing health benefits which i'm sure we'll talk about you know together but essentially they're they're quite easy to overeat because they are so calorie dense you know they're more than double a carbohydrate or a protein so for me i did a bit of a stock take in terms of what i was eating and just balanced out my portions like nothing sexy to start but it was just looking at what i needed versus you know what i might have been eating um that was really important just to make sure that i still had, had enough nutrition but that i wasn't maybe overdoing it with um especially dinner i think we we have it upside down in in the west we have it you know, historically eaten, you know, small dinner, medium um, lunch and this massive, you know, two course or three course dinner. So I like to talk about things being upside down. So it's breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. So I, I started to have, you know, much smaller and lighter dinners like, you know, chicken and veggie soup or just probably, you know, slightly less, not not because I was um, 
you know, wanting to to starve myself at all, but just because I was really tapping into what my requirements more and I'm naturally a lot more active at the start of the day. And then a lot of the days is, you know, I'm, I'm with clients quite late. I'm sitting down quite a bit. So it just makes sense that you don't need that much food. And it's about retraining the body as well because hunger is very much a learned response. Mm, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm. Yeah, so I think like if we start with breakfast, like if you always get up and you always eat at 7 o'clock, when you get up, your body's going to be ready for food. So at 7 o'clock, you might experience some kind of hunger. Part of that is definitely ghost hunger. It's that programming that your body's been given by always being fed at a certain time. And I think the other time where we're quite guilty of doing the same is at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. You know, we call it Yeah. Um, the danger zone, whereas if you haven't got good blood sugar control and and certainly if you haven't been making good choices, like we know that we're going to want something that starts with C and ends in E to pick us up off the floor at that time of the day. So it's chocolate, it's cheese, it's caffeine, you know, the list goes on. So, you know, for me it was about all right, asking myself, am I hungry? So rather than just eating at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, you know, am I hungry? Or sometimes I say to my clients, well, if you wouldn't eat a boiled egg, then you're not hungry because, you know, of course chocolate and cheese is more appealing than a boiled egg, but it's about asking yourself if you actually need something at that point in time. I love that ghost hunger. Oh, yeah, that's Mm. a good one. (laughs) And it's so much of that too, isn't it? So much is um, trained or we go and catch up with a friend and they're eating something and we connect this uh, social thing of going, wow, they're having a snack. I feel like, you know, I feel like that too. And you're right that you haven't actually tapped into what you need. It's more about just what's going on in the social occasion. How do you um, get around, for example, I think dinners is an interesting one because a lot of women are, you know, busy, running late and eating late. And I think that's also, you know, a great cause of over eating because you're kind of that mm. point of like crisis hunger and keep eating keep eating keep eating because the meal needs to be as big as your husband's and um you sort of end up realizing that at the end of it you feel full and way too full do you have like a time that you recommend mm. people eat their their evening meal is there kind of like you know just working on that sort of program of when we eat and when we sleep do you do you have suggestions mm. around that Look, I have ideal suggestions, but mm. I know that they might be impractical sometimes. So first and foremost, like it is ideally about two hours before we aim to go to sleep. Yep. So, you know, if you're going to bed at 10, then you want to be finishing eating by eight. But what I like to teach my clients is that you can actually reverse engineer the day. Like most of the time, dinner is a fixed time. Like within reason, you've got a fairly good idea as to what time you're going to eat with the family or, you know, what time you're getting home from work or training. So if that's seven or that eight o'clock, you want to plan backwards from that's what I mean by reverse engineering. So, Mm. you know, if you're eating a little bit later, you you either should be having a later lunch to make sure the window is not too big between lunch and dinner because that's that disaster zone or you intentionally put in a snack which with the aim of that creating the the need for only a small portion at night Mm. because you know the window is going to be quite long and I think that's really important to set yourself up so you're planning rather than as you say walking in the door at seven um, and you haven't eaten since 12 and you know what happens you basically inhale the whole pantry yeah and (laughs) and quickly and quickly too you know yeah. Yeah. People don't take time to eat. <laughs> oh, that's most of us in our life today, though, isn't it? Really, we're just uh, running on such you know high high model lives. We've got you know things to do here, there, everywhere. After work commitments, you know, 
maybe kids going mm-hmm. one direction, parents going the other direction. You're, you're just trying to do so much. And I think that your idea of reverse engineering there, your sort of food plan for the day is fantastic because mm-hmm. uh, when you know what's going to happen, you can then make the right choices or you know, you know you're know, you an hour away from a proper meal and you might actually be able to help untrain that concept of ghost hunger. Mm, so they definitely do. yeah I completely that's, agree yeah mm. that's really fantastic and so with them um, I, I just want to go back to your wedding because i just know so this, this is yeah such no, a thing i've got with, a few more tips to share <laughs> there's so many things that happen in, in women's lives and i know this is such a big one and we haven't really touched on this as a, as a talking point about you know the dietary part of getting prepared for big events in life um tell us more what are your other tips around getting ready for big events in life Yeah. So one of the other things I definitely experimented with is a little bit of fasting. Now, I think fasting can sound like a dirty word when you don't understand it properly. So I do want to explain what that means. Like intermittent fasting has many different forms, but my preference is that we simply either dinner a little bit earlier, if that's possible, or we extend that overnight fast by having breakfast a little bit later. But we don't recommend more than sort of two to three days a week and it definitely needs to be programmed around high intensity training but it is a really great way to reset that ghost hunger like you say but it's also allowing you to actually be intuitive so it's okay to be a little bit hungry but we've been told by you know the industry and and definitely world that we have to eat all the time and you know again that sets us up to be bound by like the time and quite robotic in our eating rather than tapping into you know if we're actually hungry so me personally i think i was doing two to three mornings where what worked for me best was to have a slightly later breakfast um so i might just have a coffee and then let's say that smoothie i mentioned before might have been at say 10 or 11 o'clock depending on the day of course I think it needs to be intuitive rather than it being like, okay, it has to be 16 hours, which is where the literature is around the 16-8 model, a six-fast in an eight-hour eating window. But fasting is also a muscle. I don't want our our listeners today to dive into 16-8 if they haven't even got great blood sugar control meal to meal. You've got to look at those foundations and then you'll fasting just something you actually probably do by default, which is important. And it's great for your metabolism because it teaches your body to burn fat for fuel. And naturally, you can just integrate it into your lifestyle. And for me, that made like quite a big difference. So that was something I really enjoyed doing before the wedding. Fantastic. Oh, and I, I, knowing that, uh, you know, you pr- you're a promoter of uh, ketogenic sort of lifestyles and eating patterns. Are you a bulletproof coffee girl? Yeah, I am. Oh. I'm a little bit addicted. <laughs> I actually don't drink much caffeine these days. Yeah. So it's usually decaf, which yeah. a lot of people screw their nose up at, but I just know what sort of suits me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I do really enjoy it actually, but it's also for a lot of people a great addition in that morning because like we're talking about you're going to wake up and you're going to be hungry and the thought of not eating till 10 or 11 people is completely mind-blowing and overwhelming so having that mct coffee or that bulletproof coffee as you say is a a great way to put something in the system like it's 150 or 200 calories it takes the edge off the hunger and we know that in the mct the medium chain triglycerides are really great for providing the body with ketones which is fuel for the body and for the brain so it's the best of both worlds without you needing to have the toast or or the banana or the food that would essentially break your fast and if the choice was high carbohydrate it would kick you out of that fat burning zone. 
Brilliant. Love it. I've just recently started uh, doing the whole MCT and uh, coffee, even though I don't drink a lot of coffee and, you know, just once (laughs) or twice a week. And it's fascinating the uh, the difference it makes as well. I think for someone like myself who, and a lot of women are quite caffeine sensitive, I found it's actually improved my tolerance to caffeine. Like it doesn't leave me feeling like I need to run around or (laughs) I feel jittery because that's that's the impact caffeine has on me, which is why I've traditionally not enjoyed caffeine. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a fascinating concept. And so, ladies, if you haven't heard of Bulletproof Coffee, go and look up Bulletproof Coffee. Go and look up Dave Asprey and all the things that he talks about with uh, bulletproofing your lifestyle. Um, and, of course, you know, Steph is uh, obviously going to tell you all about it too, as we just heard, which is uh, something that we, we sort of say to women, get away from caffeine. What other things can ladies do in the mornings to get their blood glucose right? Because I just think that so many of us start the day wrong and, Mm. you know, we really harm our insulin response and our insulin handling just by starting it with the first thing we put in our mouth. Yeah, definitely. And that's why it's really important that you do break your fast with a really well-built, nutrient-dense meal. Unfortunately, mm. again, you know, we've been, most of us have, have been brought up on things like toast and cereal, and naturally they're very carbohydrate-heavy. Often that's the only nutrient we're eating so there's barely any fat and barely any protein and and the fats and proteins are our satiety macronutrients so they're the ones that are going to keep us full in the morning potentially even going to to lunch without needing any you know more coffee or, or muffins or more carbohydrates to give us some energy so you know I, I like the idea of smoothies when there is appropriate because it's a great way to start the day with veggies. I'm a massive fan of vegetables for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of new people to the real food space, they find that quite overwhelming. They're like, how do I get veggies in? I eat cereal and milk, you know. So it is <laughs> often a tartar that you've prepared on that day. You can have leftovers for breakfast, but that usually feels like a deep dive for a lot of people. So smoothies can be a good first step or when you've got time, you know, more likely on the weekend for someone working in a more conventional nine to five is, you know, you do your omelets or your breakfast salads or your hashes or your scrambles, like I mentioned before. I think find a way to get veggies in, lower the carbohydrates and get some more proteins and you really will notice a massive difference in your blood sugar control and the flow and effect completely shapes the rest of your choices so especially that 3 30 or 4 o'clock time absolutely Steph and this is just a little one for the ladies that are listening think veggies for breakfast how weird is that we sit here in western countries and we've been so indoctrinated to eat our carbs for breakfast but if you go traveling I'm sure you've done the same Steph the rest of the world they'll generally have uh, savory breakfast I've mm, travelled in North, absolutely. you know, Southeast Asia and parts of Africa. They do not eat sweet for breakfast like we're so used to. So, you know, we are um, a product of the things we've been taught, usually through our families. So, ladies, you know, anytime you find these ideas a little bit odd or unusual or upside down, it's actually us that's the odd ones. The rest of the world looks at us and thinks, <laughs> "What are you guys doing? Why do you eat that? Don't you mm. just have, you know?" And so that's that's that idea of changing our thoughts and our emotions around eating as well. Um, speaking of emotions, Steph. <laughs> big days bring on a lot of stress they bring on a lot of um you know anxiety what did you do mm. at times of you know those moments of stress to deal with eating well because obviously uh, emotions change what we choose to eat as you well know <laughs> tell us a little bit about how you help people yeah. handle emotional eating states 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's about firstly like finding something that you really love that is your like your flow state, your flow state, sorry, or uh, that what is promoting a state of meditation for you. Like I don't believe it needs to be the conventional sitting cross-legged, burning the candles kind of meditation. Although go for it if if that's what you love. For me personally, it was a lot of yoga. So what's interesting mm. about again that sort of crash dieting wedge shed model is most of the time it's telling you to all do heaps of exercise and to run flat out and to, to overtrain the gym and the irony for a lot of people is that overtraining which is a stress which is cortisol which is fat storage right when that's the last thing we're trying to do before this big event so for me i know my body suits only a small amount of intensity um and i do you know two like heavy strength training sessions a week with my personal trainer but I do a lot of yoga and a lot of outdoors walking. For me, that's, you know, my meditation and a lot of, I have a lot of movement in my, in my day, in my week, but I definitely don't overtrain and I don't think you have to to achieve those goals. The flip side is obviously that the, the usually the lower intensity forms of exercise are the ones that are more meditative so that sets you up to have some amazing strategies to take into to the real world like into your life to help with your stress management then you're much less likely to turn to food i think it's about you know having something else that fills up your cup and not the things that start in c and end in e <laughs> yeah absolutely so true and Steph, you talk a lot about mm. being this low-carb, high-fat athlete. And I know that that is a bit of a paradox for a lot of people because we think, okay, if you're an athlete, for example, if you're going to run a marathon or if you're doing a triathlete type event, that we usually think that you need to be uh, carb loading, you need to be doing gel shots, you all of those sorts of things to, to keep you going because we think that that's what our body needs to run on as fuel so can you explain to us just how this low carb high fat is beneficial for us but also for athletes and what that difference has been for you yeah absolutely so i think firstly we need to think about what options our body has to use as fuel so you know globally speaking there's essentially two options we can either use glucose and that comes from the glucose stored in the muscle as glycogen as well as dietary glucose mm -hmm. or we can burn fat which definitely comes from dietary fat but hopefully our naturally stored body fat as well now the problem in in the west and definitely in the conventional one food pyramids two sports guidelines that you know we we can only burn sugar the food that we've been told to eat has created this metabolism that's sugar burning in nature which means that you know basically we are bound by needing the gels or the endure or whatever products that we're being promoted because we can only store maybe two two and a half thousand calories of muscle glycogen and then you know we can obviously only consume a fairly small amount relative to what we burn when we're running or when we're exercising. Now, the flip side is that, you know, even the leanest athlete and a, a female would have close to 100,000 calories available of fat. So you don't oh, need wow. to be a scientist to look at the difference between, you know, that 2,000 or that 100,000, right? So it's a huge difference. It's just most of us have this inability to access fat because of the food that we've been prescribed. So what I like to talk about is metabolic flexibility. You know, in the literature, it's sometimes mentioned as 
um, like a, a keto adapted or fat adapted. These are some of the terms that are. But essentially, metabolic flexibility means that you have the best of both worlds. You can absolutely burn fat for fuel. So you've got abundance of stored energy and you'll obviously be burning dietary fat from the food that you're eating, but you also want to be able to access that muscle glycogen because most of us are doing at least some high-intensity exercise. And we know that glucose is broken down quite quickly, so we want to be able to access that glycogen to support heavy lifting or sprint sessions. So it's a dual fuel system. You've got the best of both worlds, fat for the vast majority, definitely anything aerobic and low intensity, and then you can still use muscle glycogen for anything high intensity. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really great uh, little, I guess, a description there, Steph. So thank you for that. And when you shifted your like metabolic tolerance more into like a fat burning type system, what did you notice? Yeah, for me, like for me, it was life changing. You know, I definitely come from a um, a calorie counting, low fat background, and for me, that led to a lot of um, I'd say almost like obsession with food because I was literally counting down the hours till it was you know two hours later so I could eat again um, without the healthy fats. You know, I had a lot of hormonal issues because we know that hormones are built on fats and proteins, yeah. um, and and just just the usual cravings for sweet things. Like I don't eat refined sugar, but I remember this is like ten years ago now. I used to eat those medjool dates like they were going out of fashion before I realized how many grams oh, yeah. of sugar was in each of them. <laughs> Um, so becoming fat adapted for me was life changing in that, you know, it definitely was a huge catalyst to improving my relationship with food, gaining blood sugar control, allowing me to just naturally make really good choices and, and have control over that 30 or 4 PM time, you know, got my hormones back online. I had a regular menstrual cycle for the first time in like, I'm talking years, if not a decade. Um, and it really was a huge catalyst for me to being the healthiest version of myself. And that's what I love teaching other people because, you know, LCHF or low carb, healthy fat has so many benefits, but essentially it's just real food. So everyone needs to eat real food, right? So as long as we personalize LCHF, I think it suits everyone, athlete or not. Awesome. And Steph, I love that you mentioned some hormonal control there as well, because it's so, so important. And I know that, um, I, and I actually much prefer your acronym, the LCHF, the healthy fat rather than the, you know, maybe super high fat, um, because I know that for some women trying to do a ketogenic diet really strictly, or maybe, uh, saying they're keto, but doing it really poorly can really screw with their hormones. Have you noticed any women like maybe losing their period, um, say on a keto-type diet? Yeah, I think this is a really important conversation. And I deliberately don't use the word keto for the reason that, yeah. by definition, it can often be interpreted as this sort of 25 grams of carbs a day, which we know has amazing therapeutic benefits in people with, you know, obesity or type 2 diabetes, it even is to treat childhood epilepsy. But for the majority of us, we need a lot more carbohydrates. But low carbohydrate is, you know, relative to what we were eating. And the pyramid is like four or 600 grams a day. So, you know, I think it's really important yeah. that we don't assume that we need to be keto. Because yes, it can cause hormonal issues in women. 
Um, the same applies to too much fasting, which is the other reason why I only like my women to do, you know, two to three days a week because a lot of the research, the subjects are men, right? And mm-hmm. they can fast every bloody day because they don't have four seasons in a month and they don't have, you know, the, the hormonal changes across the month like we do. Um, and I'm talking about women of, of you know, that hormonal age um, that yeah. are still having a... A regular menstrual cycle here but yeah i think that's a really important conversation because as you as you'll know keto is like the biggest vogue word word at the moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it done a lot I'm of good so happy to hear you say these things um because mm-hmm. it seems like just a really nice sensible type approach rather than that you know really faddish shift that everyone's kind of going into at the moment Oh, can I just ask, while yeah, we're definitely. on fatty shift, Steph, what are your thoughts on uh, the exogenous ketones? So the, uh, the I guess, the space where people are now sort of being promoted to take these ketone diet supplements and things like that, because mm-hmm. we've got an opinion, but we'd love to know what you think. Yeah, I think there's a few things. Like, I mean, firstly, that I don't want anyone to think there's a magic pill like the goal Mm. is to to build your body to naturally burn fat for fuel first and that's like that comes down to you know what you eat how you train um you know how you think your stress management and so on i think you've got to have those foundations first my problem with the especially with the pyramid pyramid systems that are um you know really popular in australia is they just they prescribe them to everybody that hasn't actually fixed their underlying metabolic issues and often they're prescribed with fairly high carbs so you know if we look back in history from an evolutionary perspective, it's one or the other. You don't have high ketones and, and high carbohydrates. Like they don't, they work in in, inverse. Like they are an inverse relationship. So I think there's a few things like, you know, for some people I actually think they can work, but I don't want them to be a crutch. I don't want them to be that first step. I think get the foundations right, get your body burning fat, um, you know, naturally produce ketones, which you do as a byproduct of fatty acid oxidation, and make sure you're getting the right volume of carbohydrates in and not just relying on this this drink to fix the issues, essentially. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you, so use those supplementations more as a model of support as opposed to the solution or the fix. Love that because I think that's what's being yeah. sold to everyone, isn't it? It's that quick fix concept. And uh, I know we certainly push up hills sometimes when people tell us, no, no, you've got to try this. You know, can you ca- can't try this product? It's amazing. And we're like, whoa, that doesn't take away, like you said, the lifestyle factors that have driven your body into this state in the first place. So fix the, fix the lifestyle before you start taking the magic pills, as you said. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also I just think it's so funny because most of those magic pills are usually in like you know the pyramid marketing mm. schemes as well but anyway that's that's a uh, definitely a chat for another day <laughs> um, which is hilarious um okay so Steph you've got an incredible book coming out can you tell me a little bit about that because I am super interested in it thank you so much yes yeah, so it's called low-carb healthy fat nutrition and it is, well, we're releasing at the end of November, so it's still a couple of um, months away now, but it is available for pre-order on Booktopia, so I can send you girls a link um, if you'd like to know more. But essentially, it's it's really a collection of my work over the last seven years. Like, I felt like I wrote it in a week, and everyone's like, how did you write it in a week? And I'm like, well, I've actually been writing it for seven years, so technically it took me a long time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, I break down a lot of the common nutrition myths that we have here in the West, definitely talking about, you know, the food pyramid and our conventional guidelines, as well as recommendations to snack every two hours. So 
I'm turning a lot of things upside down, including the food pyramid and how we build our plate. Um, I talk a lot about where LCHF can be used in terms of, you know, endurance athletes who want to become fat adapted, but also for type 2 diabetes, because we know that you can essentially put that condition into remission, which is amazing for a lot of people to learn because, you know, the alternative is a lifelong of medication and a, unfortunately, like pretty progressive disease. Um, so there's a lot of research. So awesome. Yeah. What an incredible concept. Yeah, it's really exciting. So there's a lot of research in there and um, a lot of information as to how to make it practical. So, you know, I'm very life being a nutritionist and working day to day with real people. I'm very, very um, passionate about the knowledge, but also that practical application. So that's included in the book. We've got lots of meal plans for someone that might like, you know, definite guidelines on how to start LCHF. And there's over, I think we've got over 160 recipes as well. So, so many really simple ideas to teach you how to eat real food. But the big aims are definitely, you know, optimizing your metabolism and extending your longevity because LCHF is essentially real food, as I said. So, it's anti-inflammatory. And we know that inflammation is the cause of like all chronic diseases. So, we need to be focusing on creating this anti-inflammatory environment to look after our health today, but definitely our health into the future. That sounds absolutely amazing. Okay, so just tell our listeners one more time, what is the book called? Thank you. It's called Low Carb Healthy Fat Nutrition. And it is available on Booktopia. Oh, that is amazing. Um, Steph, we are so, so grateful to have you on the show today. You are such a wealth of knowledge, which is awesome. And I love the fact that um, I think it's Cindy O'Meara who says something like, oh, you know, I like that girl. She thinks like I do. (laughs) Yeah. So, so true here. So, you know, that's so wonderful. Um, But you're definitely a breath of fresh air on this topic, which I I just think is awesome. Um, Steph, you're going to be at the Wellness Summit, yeah? Yes. I know how soon that that has come around so quickly. So we'll definitely have to catch up there. Yeah, absolutely. So Steph, once again, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm sure the ladies would have loved that. Now, how can they find out more about you? Absolutely. Thank you. I'm online at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au. I hang out mostly on Instagram at thenaturalnutritionist. I'd love to hang out. Um, Definitely send me any um, questions that you have. And it was my pleasure to join you ladies today. So thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steph. Thanks so much again. So, ladies, uh, we know that you would have loved this episode with Steph. Please go and check her out. She has a very beautiful, very curated Instagram page. Every time I look at it, it's super impressive. And there are some gorgeous wedding shots on there. So you have to look at those. Um, Ladies, we would love to hear your feedback uh, from today. So make sure that you're communicating with us on social media. So facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women, or we are The Wellness Women Official on Instagram. Uh, We would love you to be subscribing to us on iTunes. Make sure you give us a five-star rating if you feel that we deserve that because this is really how we do spread that message to all of you incredible women out there. And so a big thank you and shout out to all of our new listeners. And ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.